Okay, great. Um, so today, what can I say? I, I get excited every time we start a new episode, but today is really fun. Today, I have two old friends, technically, on this uh, podcast. Um, our our guest today is none other than Glenn Scarpelli, who played Alex on One Day at a Time and has a wonderful career. I cannot wait to talk to him. And of course, my co-host is voice, voiceover extraordinaire and the voice of Porky Pig and about a billion other characters, Bob Bergen. So uh, glad to have glad to have you on. And uh, Glenn, thank you so much for being here with us. Uh, I'm so thrilled. We finally made this happen. I'm so sorry it took so long, but here we are finally together. Wonderful to be with you, gentlemen. Yeah, well, thanks. It it has been. It has been, but we appreciate your time. Um, right away out of the gates, I, I had on the top of my uh, mind, what, what did you audition for one day at a time? Because that's one thing I did a lot of research, but I was like, I don't know. I, I didn't really catch that. Yes, I auditioned for one day at a time. Actually, um, so here, here's the story and I'll give you the abridged version because it's a, it's a bit of a long story, but I was doing Richard III on Broadway with Al Pacino when I was wait, wait, 12. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> we don't just brush over that. Don't go abridged when you say Pacino. With Al Pacino. Yeah. Uh, okay, well, well we're gonna put that opening. over here on the shelf and we're gonna get back to that because that, that's not just a quickie. All right, so Al Pacino continue with One Day at a Time. So you've heard of him? Um, <laughs> I heard he's a little guy, but he's done some good work. I, there's a future. He's got potential. Yeah. So, um, so basically, I was doing I was doing that, and I had known Valerie around that time. I had done a pilot with her boyfriend at the time, Scott Columbi, and Val was going to New York to do um, the twenty thousand dollar pyramid. I want to say. Maybe it was twenty five thousand at the time. I'm not sure. Um, it, you know, it's it's gone up to a hundred thousand. Which you know, my boyfriend Johnny is one of the producers on that show. Mm -hmm. Nice now. pitch. So nice pitch. They, there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, but it was so there was another pyramid connection. So she came to New York. They got tickets to the show. I introduced her to Pacino backstage. Oh wow! And which I didn't do for very many people, but I thought it was cool to want to like go. Val, Al, Al, Val. I <laughs> oh thought that was, God. you know, I thought that was cool for a 12 year old. And, um, and she walked out of the, we were walking out of the stage door and she said, Glenn, if there's anything I could ever do for you, you just ask, you just let me know. So cut to two years later, we're reading in TV guide. My mom actually read the article. Mackenzie was being, of course, fired due to her very public drug addiction. Right. And they were bringing on a 14 year old boy. And I was like, oh my God. Valerie Bertinelli owed me one. Like I made a mental note. So wow. I tracked I tracked her down. She was doing a TV movie in San Francisco where she played a nun. And I tracked her down on the set and she was like, oh my gosh, Glenn, I was just talking to Bonnie and she wants someone with theater credits. And Bonnie, of course, Bonnie Franklin had um, casting approval on the show at the time. Yeah. And, and she said, you'd be perfect. I'm totally going to recommend you. So she recommended me. The producers of the show, the casting director, um, came out to New York. I was living in New York at the time. They came out to New York to read me. But it was like a very informal reading. It was during the actor strike of 1980. So they technically weren't allowed to audition. So it was more of a meet and greet at the Plaza Hotel kind of thing. Um, Eve Brandstein was our casting director at the time. And I knew Eve very well. She was terrific. Wow. She was so great, yes. And Mark Hirschfeld and oh. that whole team was Mark. So Mark, so Mark, Mark is Mark is on the on the board of governors with me at the TV Academy now. And I'll get back to Mark in a second. But did you, you do, do one, you do one day at a time in at Universal? We started at Metro Media Square right. back when there when there was a Metro Media Square. Right, right. <laughs> it's it became Fox, right? Isn't right. That, it's now a big no, football no, no. field. Yeah, exactly. but I thought it was. I thought it was. I thought like right after that, it became like Fox Center, or was it Fox Center before? It was. It, became... it was. It was. It was KTTV, and and oh, then yeah, it right. went bye bye, and right. all of those all those embassy shows went to Universal. I then we this, moved to Universal. Yes, I know this stuff, Glenn, because I was a tour guide at Universal during the time that you were doing One Day at a Time. But we'll conti continue with you. We'll <laughs> oh my God! I hope <laughs> a lot I hope of overlap nice. here. I hope I was nice and I waved. I know we're going off into ten thousand. We'll things. talk. We'll talk. Yes, I'll, yes. I'll give you all the dirt. I'll give you all the I hope dirt. I waved. Oh my God! We were told to wave when we moved there. That was part of our contract. I know. We Listen, had to be. I know. We had to be I, nice I, to the tourists. Some waved, some ran into their honey wagon. I'll, t I'll, I'll, I'll give you the dirt. 
Okay, good. That had to be so, so anyway, hard for you, Glenn, to be like open and kind and wave to people. I'm so shocked. So shocked. I know, I know. I yeah. have to come out of my shell one of these days, John. <laughs> I'm working on it, buddy. I'm working on it. But um, so so anyway, so Valerie recommended me. We had this little meet and greet thing. Um, and then when the strike was over, they literally flew us out that day. It was like a Wednesday. I auditioned on a Thursday for Val for Valerie was there. I don't believe Harrington was there, but Bonnie was definitely there. The executive producers, they recorded it. The, the network was there, but they also recorded it to show Norman Lear, who at that point was the chairman of the board. He wasn't actually the showrunner at the time. Um, so, so Norman had to give his blessing. And um, I got the part that day. Wow. I literally, wow, they, cool. they, by that night, they were like, you got the part. The next day I went to the set. I went to see the first taping of the week before I was on just to meet everybody and see the, the routine and the deal. And it was so exciting. And Monday morning I was on the set and I never looked back. I, I, I went to professional children's school on West 60th in New York um, as my high school, but I was only there two months. And then I got one day at a time and I was on the back lot with a tutor um, until the day I graduated. So all were you, of, were you, were you living at the wow. Barham apartments that, that everybody lives in when they first come to LA? Oh, yes. Oakwood. Yes, we. I was there with Sarah Jessica Parker and a wow. whole bunch of yeah, whole bunch of other people. Um, they were doing uh, Square Pegs. I remember that show, Square yeah. Pegs. I love it. Um, yeah, yes. So that was one of the things. But then I wanted to buy in a condo right next door to the Oakwood oh. Barham Court, That's and so I, it was. Yeah. Yes. So I lived there for a very long time. I lived there for many, many years. That I wish I never sold that place. Actually, <laughs> oh, honestly, please, what it could have showed. We all we all have oh that first God. piece of real estate. Cato had a place in Encino that right now he's going. I wish I had never sold that. Oh, I wish I property. Never let that go. Yeah, I'm telling you, I hear you. I hear you. That was a big mistake. Well, tell me this. So, so when you entered, obviously, as you said, I mean, it's very public that Mackenzie Phillips had you know uh, drug issues at the time. So you go onto this set, and yes, I, I realize you know Val. I realize that they've welcomed you, but was there anything kind of bizarre about like you know, hey, we just lost like one of the stars of the show, and now you're entering to kind of help us? You know, I, I was I was so welcomed. It was a very happy set. I think the Mackenzie stress being alleviated was actually good for everybody at that time, including Mackenzie. She'll be the first to admit it. I mean, Mac is one of my dearest friends in the whole world. Yeah. She did She did come back to the show eventually, and we became lifelong friends, mostly since she got sober as an adult. I always hung in there. I always reached out to her, mm -hmm. but I knew that she had been challenged for decades, literally. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, if you would have told me then that in 2022, Norman Lear and Mackenzie Phillips are still alive and wow. Bonnie nope. Franklin and Pat Harrington are gone. I would have no. never believed you. No, really. no, of course not. Of course no. not. Wow. So, you know, she was, she was very challenged. So I think there was a sense of relief a little bit. Everybody didn't have that um, storyline, that narrative about Mackenzie and her drugs as part of their daily routine. So it was a very happy, wonderful time. Then Matt came back and it was also great to meet her and be, close to her and for the to watch the cast um welcome her back and just loving on her so you know it was a very happy time we had the greatest time I mean it was the greatest job in the world I mean Michael Lembeck from the show she, he and I talk about this all the time that oh like God. you go to work it was very reasonable hours I think they started rehearsals at 10 we were usually done by 4 30 you know and it, we laughed from the moment we got there to the moment we left like I worked with some of the funniest people in show business. Pat Harrington, Nanette Fabre was on the set very often. You know, she was freaking hilarious. Like we laughed all day and it was a joyous, wonderful chapter. Like, and these people protected me as a child. Like I, I you know, you hear stories about child, child, child stars or child actors that, yeah, yeah, yeah. that did, didn't have a good experience. I had the great, I mean, I won the lottery, really. Mm -hmm. I have no complaints I have no resentment like I I did what I wanted to do you know it was my dream to be an actor early on who how many seasons did oh, you go do ahead. Go ahead, Bob. how many seasons did you do I did um uh I believe it was three full seasons I think I did like 70 episodes out of the 200 so or something like that 68 episodes I, I Wikipedia will tell us 
Um, yeah. But, oh, yeah. but, but I, yeah, it was season six, seven, and eight. And it went on nine seasons. I, the final season, I actually, because I knew it was going to be the final season, I was offered a show on NBC with Ann Jillian called Jennifer Slept Here. Oh, yeah. And I, I took that only because it had the potential to go on. It didn't go on, but you know, you had it. I had to take the shot at that point. Good I cast, think anybody though. else. Yeah, but was that, was that was Georgia Engel and yeah, oh, yeah. Wow, Cato Cato does his research. I did. Yes, yes, I he do. does. So so was 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 that about the same time he did fantasy? Yeah, as a matter of fact, when I left CBS. I moved to NBC and they kind of, it was kind of more of an NBC deal that I had. So they put me daytime fantasy with Peter Marshall and Leslie Uggams for the whole summer because they were really, John Stamos was on um, General Hospital at the time Mm -hmm. and we were against General Hospital. So they certainly wanted to bring in a younger audience specifically for the summer when the kids are off from school. So they brought me on the show. I did four months of fantasy, one of the greatest jobs of my life. We had so much fun. Johnny and I just a couple of weeks ago had dinner with Leslie in New York. Oh, very cool. And it was so great. You know, I've stayed very close with her. And we actually got... I think I I told you that I had written in because my fantasy was to meet Mel Blanc. And they they were going to do it, but the damn thing got canceled. And I, and, uh, I, and, I, and I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't meet him, meet him then. I met him later, but I was like, I mean, they were like, you know, they put you through the ringer and they question you and they interview you and they, they had me go to NBC and meet with people. And they said, he's interested. It's going to happen. And then the show got canceled. Uh, oh, Bob, I never knew that. I never knew that all these years with Mel Blanc. Wow. Bob, That's we could have met years. That could have been um, the beginning of our friendship. And what? there you go from, from there on, buddy. I'll be. I, I would have been like, "Who's the cute guy that just walked in his bed?" <laughs> there you go. There you go. He's 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 not talking about me, John. It's okay. <laughs> hey, Glenn, he's not the to... he's not the jealous type. Don't <laughs> worry. <laughs> so I got to ask you: when you were on the show, well, two things. One, and maybe I'm going overboard on this, but I swear to God, I kind of feel like you saved the series a little bit. I mean, Aww. I feel. I mean this sincerely. Because you've got um, Bonnie Franklin with her Anne Romano character. The whole show is about she's this mom. She's taking care of kids or whatever. But we were kind of going off the rails a little bit there at one point. And then I feel like you come in and now you're the kid. So she has someone to take care of. And we're back on track. I, I mean, did you feel that at all? Yes. As a matter of fact, I really <laughs> did. Yeah. You know, you're right. <clears throat> you're right on there, John. Because, you know, when I came on, the storyline that introduced me was she was dating um, my dad on the show, Nick Handris. I played Alex Handris, and he was he was played by Ron Rifkin, the incredible actor. Brilliant Rifkin, actor, who, such brilliant. a great actor. So incredible, and I loved so much. But yet there was this sense of um, the audience really wasn't digging seeing Anne Romano with a steady boyfriend <clears throat> because it was about a very independent single woman um, and single mom. So when that carrot, when that wasn't working out, I was kind of thinking, well, they're probably going to write me out too, because, you know, mm-hmm. this is a whole storyline that they're just going to shift and change because the whole relationship thing wasn't working. But then CBS said, no, keep the kid. It's about mm-hmm. a single mom. Just like everything you're saying, John, CBS came back and, and said, no, you have to get, somehow get out of the relationship, but keep the kid. So wow. season seven opened with a show called Alex Moves In. And the season opened with Ron already uh, had passed away over hiatus, Nick, Nick Andrus. Mm-hmm. Um, and Bonnie was kind of dealing with that. Anne Romano was dealing with the grief of losing her boyfriend. And then they, they got a phone call saying that I had run away from my birth mom. And where did I run away to? But I ran away to Barbara and Anne. And I just begged, begged, begged to be, to live there. And my mom, who was very neglectful of Alex, um, basically gave them, you know, the, the rights to, to raise me. So wow. that was how it all, that's how it all happened. And yes, so then I became the big pain in the butt, like Julie used to be, doing right. all kinds of things. In fact, Mackenzie and I talk about this all the time. It was kind of like, there was only two people on the show that Bonnie slapped, and one of them was me, the other was Mackenzie. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> what, a, what a badge of honor. Exactly. What a moment. <laughs> Hey, kind of liked it. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
we we're not going there. We're not going. Oh there. no, I want to. I want to. I want to. I want to go there with Anne Romano, the dominatrix. I just, <laughs> there's got there's got to be a, a subplot there somewhere. Oh my! There was God. another. There was another episode where she spanked me with a paddle. Oh, what am my. I saying? There we go. Come on. You're Come on to something there, Bob. <laughs> we have taken a dark turn on that class. No. Okay. Well, they do. Listen, they, they did a remake. They can do another one. They can do anything now. Okay. Anybody so here's the it. other thing. I'm looking through one day at a time. I could not believe the guest stars that were on this show. I mean, it was not little bits. I mean, I saw Keenan Wynn, Suzanne Summers, Jay Leno, Mark Hamill. Yeah, um, yeah. Camel. Who was on there that you were like, oh my God, this is wild. So everyone always asks me who is my favorite guest star. Without a beat, I say Van Johnson. Oh, How cool. Wow. Was it no, was he on with uh, Nanette Fabre? Was there a storyline there? Yes, Must it be. was. And he okay. was he wow. was kind of a shifty, um, like he was he was kind of taking her taking her for a ride, let's put it that way. Um, so he played a, a, a sleazy kind of character, but hilarious and wonderful. And see, so so like I started begging to be an actor when I was about five years old. Yeah. And I would beg my parents, please, I want to be an actor. They said, oh, that's nice. When you get older, you know, that would be a good idea. I'm like, no, I want to do it right now. So I wore them down when I was about eight. And that's when I actually became an actor because I always loved it. And I loved old MGM musicals. Oh, yeah. Like I was so influenced by all the history of show business that came before me. And like a lot of kids my age at the time never knew who the hell Van Johnson was. Like, you know, they would have never known. But when I got that script and it said next week and it had the cast lineup and it said Van Johnson, I almost crapped my pants. Like I, mean, I was so icon. excited. He's, he's, yeah, yeah. And I was, I, the first thing I asked him, I said, do you have your red socks on? And he whipped, took a, picked up uh, that's so cool. pants and he had his real? red socks on. Yeah. He yeah. must have been just delighted that a youngster was a fan of his to that point. I, you know, I think so. I mean, I certainly knew a lot about that sort of thing, you know, and um, I pride myself in that. Like, like, I think one of the things that we miss today is you know, the industry got so dispersed. There's so many different ways mm -hmm. to get your programming right now that it's hard to focus on even what's out there, let alone the history of what got us here. So I, I, I always encourage, I always encourage younger people to like watch the old TV shows, watch the Dick Van Dyke show, watch oh, the yeah. Carol Burnett show, watch the Murray Tyler mm -hmm. Moore show, watch our show, like be nowhere where we're this led because we grew all grew up in a time that was pretty special, you know, oh, very that, much so. you know, we grew up with three networks. We mm -hmm. had, um, you know, like TV was the, was the, was the campfire of our families, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, like we all watched stuff together, like the, the mutual of Omaha animal kingdom on Sunday nights. Marlon like that Perkins. was a, yes. and followed oh, yeah. by wonderful world of Disney. Oh, you wonderful got it. world of Disney. Yes. Love so, that time. Yes. So like we all had an experience that we shared. We all watched TV at the same time, which was mm -hmm. very special and different. Mm -hmm. Like the next By day. By the way, if, if you missed it, you missed it. Exactly. You might see a rerun, exactly. but we didn't have VCRs. We did not. We did not. And I got to tell you, they used to pay a lot more for those summer reruns on network television. Oh, are you talking about? <laughs> oh, our, I'm sure. Do you remember those residuals? I, re I mean, you know. But now they just replace it with a new series, so they don't even have reruns on networks anymore. Right, right. No, it's a it's a whole different world. But the the experience as a society, as a country, like even the impact Norman made on our society oh, through huge. his shows. Yeah, and it, people watched them together, and they discussed and they talked. But no one was being preached; they were just laughing along. So there right. was a sense of of let's learn through laughter, let's laugh at each other. I think one of the problems we have these days is everyone's so serious about everything. Nobody's Bingo, yep. absolutely. Like, I agree like, 100%. I, you know, it's changed in a way that necessary isn't necessarily for the better, in my opinion, but you know, in you some know, ways, I, I, in I, some I, ways, I, for sure. I had, I had a conversation, I was blessed to have a conversation with, with, with Norman at the Emmys a few years ago at the Governor's Ball. And uh, I said to him, um, you know, there was a time where we laughed, not just at ourselves, but at our frailties, our differences, and similarities weren't called stereotypes. It was just, we were laughing, oh my God, that's my Italian mama. 
or oh my right. god that's my jewish grandfather well today right. laughing at a similarity is considered a negative stereotype rather than just yeah. a have a sense of humor and also hey it's an homage to a loving relationship memory right. just similarity that man everyone's got a chip on their shoulder today and glenn i could not agree with you more that those were better times because we were able to have a sense of humor. Well, yeah, yeah. Look at all his programs. Look at all of Norman Lear's programs. They all, you know, uh, dealt with that. I mean, yeah. I mean, your show alone. If we went back and we looked at all the messages that were in that comedy, there's a lot. You know, yeah. I mean, it's a funny show, but let's be honest, there's some serious stuff in there. Oh yeah. Well, so Julie ran. Julie ran away early on, and that was huge because I, re I remember watching mm -hmm. that episode with with my mom when she was when she had run away with her boyfriend and she says to her to to bonnie i want this i want this i want this and if i don't get any of that i'm not coming back and bonnie goes okay julie don't come back right. and my mom smacks my leg and goes good for her and i'm thinking oh that was like my <laughs> first lesson in tough that. love yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. you keep your keep your act together there bob i think you're which i did to tell you something. <laughs> I, I, nice. I, I, I i i'd already told my exactly. jewish mother i wanted to be porky pig you opened so the door it was, it was downhill no. from there <laughs> i get it i get it yeah no there was an episode um that you know they, the the whole series came out on um dvd a few years ago and um so i got to watch i got to binge watch the show like in the order it aired and like just in it all of its entirety not the chopped down syndicated versions and stuff so it was really wild to like kind of sit back and watch it watch it's like watching home movies but wow. it wasn't home movies you know mm -hmm. and just see just to kind of see the storylines and there was this one episode harrington used to write about three or four episodes a year he did? and he wrote yeah and he wrote this one called schneider and alex which is the original name of it it turned out to be called something else catcher in the mud i think is the name if, you, if folks out there are looking it up Mm -hmm. um i believe it was season seven don't quote me on that but i think so and um during the hiatus he had called my parents and said listen i'm writing this episode but i want alex i want schneider's trying to teach alex how to handle a gun and i want to make sure it's okay with you guys if glenn does the scene with me and he handles the gun which just shows what a wonderful ethical mm -hmm. incredible yeah. person harrington was to even think to call my mother I mean, I don't think, you know, there would have been a lot of other people that might have even done that. So he called my folks and they said, of course, of course. So I watched that scene not too long ago. And, you know, it's about gun control, the whole scene. Mm. Schneider's teaching me, Schneider's teaching me how to handle a gun. Anne Romano walks in the door and I'm pointing it at her and she's like, what? You know, and so she goes off on, she doesn't want me holding a gun. He's like, you know, guns don't kill people, people kill people. It's all the the conversation that they had is a conversation that's still going on in our country. Yeah. So, you know, it was a real, what Norman did was he didn't create situations. He reflected situations, right? you know, right. and that's how the situation comedy, and they used to call our show a dramedy also, not mm -hmm. just yeah, a comedy, could, yeah. Yeah. because I, I've never cried so much in any role I've ever played than that comedy. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, because every actor, it is an issue. It, it's either an issue or it's like I can cry on a dime. What What was your situation? No, I mean I can definitely cry during the scenes. The scenes were so well written, and when it comes to a scene where you have to cry, there has to be the right beats that lead up to it. You know, so for me, that's the, those scenes were structured so beautifully that I had time to find it within the scene and then build up and then and then let it happen. So. It, writing plays such a big role for an actor you know they mm -hmm. they you know they say at theater is you know the actor's medium but television is the writer's medium so it really is about you know finding those beats and and Norman and his teams on all his shows were just so brilliant at finding those beats wow let's hey let's go back because I know we'll forget otherwise so just tell us about Pacino, okay? I, I got to know. I mean, yeah, you, you throw out any name like that on this show. It's like, I'm going to dive in there. I want to know. What, what was it? What was Al like? He was amazing. Wait, wait, you are, know, you I... on first, are you on first name basis, Cato? Come on. <laughs> what, what was Mr. Pacino like? I actually, I actually got his autograph one time. I did. So I did. Yeah. So Al and I, you know, pretty tight. You go way back. He keeps telling me though, hey, tell John when he does his podcast, use the freaking ring light. 
There you go. <laughs> but did John listen? No. <laughs> no. Why should he listen to Al Pacino? Oh my God. Oh. So um no, so <laughs> um no, so he was wonderful. You know, like honestly, the way I was saying about the Van Johnson, you know, how excited they was, talk about excited. Like Al Pacino was like it for me, you know? Was oh, this your God. first Broadway show? No, it was actually my second Broadway no, show. Tell, say who you were in with the first one, by the way. I'm sorry. Come on. The first one, the first one was Golda with Anne Bancroft. Oh, and, I read that. I'm like, give oh, me a break, Glenn. Seriously. Oh. Anne Bancroft and we go to Al Pacino. What a life. Oh. And then after which Pacino, means, I did. You, you, you must have met Mel Brooks. Yes, yes. And in ah. fact, I saw him when Norman's oh. documentary, the, the modern master, um, American Masters documentary came out. Um, we all went to a screening of that and we sat with, with Mel and wow. I hadn't seen him since I was a kid. So I had an opportunity, thanks to Norman, to kind of share that, wow. you know, I was in this play with, with Annie and how, what a huge influence she was, which she was. Like I often thought throughout my career, honestly, to this day, just, you know, how professional and how disciplined she was as an actress and fun and yet down to earth but also just discipline, you know? So I mm -hmm. learned that so early on about how to stay focused and be disciplined in what you're doing and living in the moment and being in that moment, and no distractions. Like she was such a wonderful teacher for all of that for me. Wow. So I got a chance to tell him and, and he was like, kid, kid, stop right there. I'm going to start crying. Please don't talk about this anymore. Oh, wow. So, you know, he's still so affected by course the loss of his his beautiful lady she was incredible so hmm. so to work with Anne Bancroft was wonderful I got to know Golda Meir you know she was certainly um <laughs> part of the play she was part of the development of the play wow. I, I've shared this story before but I'll share it with you gentlemen please, I, please. It's, it's it's very profound in my life one of the things she said to me and she has said this to many people this is not just to me but I happen to have heard it from her um she said be well she, first of all I played her son and the girl that played her daughter, she was so close to us because she loved being with the kids. So we were invited wow. to lunch and it was like being with a grandma, really. And um, and so getting to know Golda on that level was kind of very, very special. Yeah. And she said, she said, be the person you want to spend the rest of your life with. That's and cool. I that's like pretty that. Good. Yes. And so true and profound, you know, so. So, you know, uh, did I understand that at nine years old? Probably not, but I you rem remembered it. You remembered it. It's still, yeah. still, heart still in your head. Uh -huh. Yes, and, and I, I would carry that throughout my life with a 20-year-old <clears throat> filter, with a 30-year-old filter, with a 40-year-old filter, now at 56, with a 56-year-old filter. Mm -hmm. And it's so, it's so important to know that, that we are complete when in, in and of ourselves. Like I'm in this wonderful relationship, but we don't live our lives where we complete each other. Like we don't buy into that. We're complete, but our union is strong, you know? Oh so that, that's, that's the difference. And I think some of what we're taught in society these days is to seek our happiness outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that is the, um, the illusion. And I think that's what Golda was really implying in that's her, so in her cool. statement. Wow. Yeah. So okay, yeah. so we we got Pacino. He's so did he? Did you two like you know bond pretty tight? I mean, during Richard the Third, what you know? Yeah, no, we really did. You know, I I um uh the audition was incredible. He actually took me downstairs. He, he after I auditioned, this was my third callback. I finally got to meet Pacino, which forget about. I was so excited. He walked out into the waiting room and he said, "Who belongs to this one?" And my mom was like me and he goes i'd like to take her, him downstairs i'm gonna get a coffee i'm gonna buy him a coke i want to explain the play a little bit because remember it was shakespeare and i'm 12. like what do i know what do i know from you know i am big pentameter like i just didn't know it so so he went downstairs he goes so do you know what the scene is about and i said i don't have a clue <laughs> good for <Like>, you <laughs> i'm like i have no idea i'm just reading words he goes okay so let me tell you because he saw something in me which was very cool yeah. So he, cool. he gave me a chance. So he explained he's he is the youngest of the three brothers and his my father is the king and he dies and I'm standing in the way of him being the king. So he has to kill me and my brother. And like he started to explain the whole thing. And I was like, oh, oh, and then that's what this line means. 
oh, and then that's what this means. Wow. Like it all started to go. Wow. So I read, I went back in the room, I read. And by the time we got back to Staten Island, where I lived in those days, no cell phones. Um, I'm old. And uh, <laughs> this was 1979. I think we were yeah, on Broadway. Cool. So, yeah. Um, so we, uh, I got home, the phone was ringing. I got the part. Wow. You know, we did, we did two months out of town tryouts in Philadelphia. I got very close to Al during that. He was wonderful to me. Like he was really wonderful. And he's, he's, you know, he's an introvert. People don't realize actors can be introverts. Mm -hmm. um, Al Pacino is an introvert. Like, it's not like he's hot cha-cha, let's have conversation. But with me, he really did. I, I, I went to his 40th birthday party. We were in Philadelphia when he turned 40. And he just like kind of the whole night sat with me and talked to me about his childhood and about his grandmother raising him and like all these things that he doesn't normally share. So Wow. I think he did, we did have a certain bond that I, I'm so grateful for. And he was such a huge influence on why I became an actor, really. Like the Godfather, I'm an Italian from New York. Come on. Yeah, you got you know? it. Yeah. So sure. the Godfather played a big role. I'm like, I want to do that. How do you do that? That's what I want to do. So, so he played such a huge role. That's pretty cool. So who was, who was the, uh, the next play that you did that you also worked with? Oh, well, that was actually a feature film with, um, it was a Peter Bogdanovich film and I, it, it was starred Audrey Hepburn. And it was, uh, uh, they laugh. They all laugh. They all laugh. They all, they all laugh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yes. Wow. So it, that was really incredible. And Audrey and I, Audrey and I got very close. She was so wonderful and down wow. to earth. She's another one who set such an example. So like, I never studied acting, you know, I would, I would take classes as I got older, just to kind of keep the muscles, you know, like you do it at, when you go to the gym, you keep the muscles going in those times when you're not working. But I never really took acting classes as a kid because I was just shown by the best, you mm -hmm. know? Well, um, also, you know, I mean, you're, you talk about iconic. I mean, Audrey Hepburn kind of goes even above like film star. I mean, there's something that like, angelic yeah. going on there i don't know with audrey hepburn so what so what any any you know anything you can tell us about being on on the set with her i mean i know ben gazzaro is in that and ben gazzaro. john great... ritter yeah john ritter was mm. one of the stars dorothy, of that dorothy was... stratton is in that one too i remember that what well let's let's uh let's stick with audrey for a second tell us like <laughs> what yeah what was that like with her audrey hepburn was just such an incredible woman um, in addition to being an actress, she really did kind of, you know, like you were saying, John, you know, exceeded just stardom. Mm -hmm. She she did something. She touched our planet in a in a very special way. Her spirit, her sense, I think, was important for all of us to get to know. And I'm so grateful I got to know her the way I did. You know, um, there was this whole sequence on Fifth Avenue that Peter Bogdanovich shot with hidden cameras. He didn't want to get close the streets. He didn't want to get extras. Like it was literally this whole thing where she and I are walking from um, 30 Rock up to the Plaza Hotel and we're walking up fifth and she's just holding my hand and there's all these little sequences. And there was also a corresponding sequence going on with Ben Gazzara and, and John Ritter on Fifth Avenue. So it took about a week to shoot the whole, that whole sequence. Wow. And um, they would have us walking on the streets, holding hands, and then they'd whisk us away into these shops because there was no room for, you know, star wagons or none of that. Everybody was just set up at the Plaza Hotel. So she told my mother, she goes, while we're shooting this, I'm going to keep an eye on him. Don't worry. I'll keep an eye on him. So she was also like my babysitter and guardian, really, throughout that whole week, especially. So we would get whisked into these stores and she'd say, okay, now sit here next to me, dear. And, you know, so I would sit with her and there was this one store we went into, which was kind of like a music store and bookstore. And it was all these different classical tapes. And she asked me if I liked classical music. And I said, you know, I don't, I'm not really too familiar with classical music, you know? And she's like, well, let me share with you. And she shared with me her inspiration of liking Bach and Brahms and all this stuff and, and history and, really wow. educated me on that and then at the rap party she actually gave me those cassettes I didn't see her buy them but she bought them behind my back or I had mm -hmm. someone buy them um and that's what she gave me as our our rap party gift because I that's wanted cool. to make sure I know it was very cool so 
That's the kind of woman she was. She was so down to, she knew people's names. She knew the guy that brought the coffee. She knew like, she was, she was such an example for me on how to be a mega star and also be beautiful as a person. And gracious. That's so very, cool. And you know, very she, gracious. she did not work that often. So to get a chance to work with her is such a blessing. Yeah, that was, in, that was incredible. She, she loved Peter Bogdanovich. Um, her son, Sean Ferrer, was in the film also. And I think wow. he was one of the producers. I think that's how Audrey got involved in the film in the first place. Of course, the movie Star 80 was about They All Laughed because of, like you said, Dorothy Stratton. Right. So I also, I also got to know Dorothy well. What an angel she was. And there was also, I watched that relationship when she and Peter fell in love on that set, like it was palpable. Oh, and they had so wild. Yeah, and they had so much love. And it was shocking when she went back to get her divorce that he killed her. Like we were all, it was, it put a, it put a, um, a darker cloud actually on, on that movie mm-hmm. that the movie deserved to be seen in a different light. And it wound mm-hmm. up being seen through that filter. Yeah. So. Yeah, but I was so thrilled to be a part of it. Oh my gosh, that's pretty cool. Well, well, I mean, before we move on, Ben Gazzara, just because obviously he's another one that's been around for forever, uh, huge career. What what was he like? As a oh person? my god, I've never talked to anybody that's worked with him. Again, an introvert. You know, he wasn't he wasn't exactly um, uh, you know uh, out out there like always up here, unless his character needed to be. Um, but, but wonderful and sweet and centered. Um, I learned a lot from Ben one, one time. So do you remember the movie Ben that, that was about the rats mm-hmm. remember that had come out? So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, we're shooting at this Chinese restaurant overnight and we're in the basement of this Chinese restaurant and this rat comes, this, I mean, New York size oh. rat comes across the floor and he's <laughs> taking a nap on a cot down there. Right. And this rat, and I'm like, and I'm screaming Ben about the rat and he jumps up like what the rat like I, he thought I was screaming for him and I was like oh I'm sorry Ben I meant Ben the rat and he looks like what the fuck are you talking about you the Ben the rat what you know what I'm talking about I'm like you know the Michael Jackson song like you know but um oh so God. no but he was he was so sweet to me really that 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 movie we brought peter out of course we lost peter last year too um but i brought peter out to sedona arizona where i live i work very often with the sedona international film festival i own a tv station in sedona so i work with all of the events and such out there as sponsor but i got to bring peter out and we actually screened they all laugh on the on a big screen at the sedona performing arts center and then I got to um, do the Q and A with Peter, moderate the Q and A. How and cool! It, I mean, yes, incredible. It was so fun to see that in a big screen again, too. Because remember, I hadn't seen that movie since nineteen. It was released in nineteen eighty. Right. So hence the the film Star eighty. But um, yeah, so it was really cool to see and to be with him again was really very special. So, uh, are, ahead, are you still are you living in Sedona now? Yes, so I lived. I've okay. been there 30, 30 years, Bob. I knew you had your TV station, but I wasn't sure whether it was like a back and forth sort of thing or if that's full. By the way, I'm dying to. I've never been to Sedona. I hear it's fantastic. You have to come for sure. Both you boys have to come for sure. Yeah, oh no, God. it's it's incredible. Um, so no, I am back and forth. I'm talking to you today from Glendale, California. My boyfriend John Ritchie's beautiful place here you mean condo. the producer the producer of hundred thousand dollar pyramid john Ritchie? that's the one Whoa. and hollywood museum squares buddy that's how i, I met him i know we worked I together know. by I the know. way that was an incredible story too about john that that was his dream to be a game show producer and he freaking did it yes, i mean that's did. amazing in itself John, yeah. John is John is to game shows what I am to cartoons because if you look at John's uh, Facebook every once in a while, you see a picture of him at like you know six months old with a with a Gene Rayburn microphone. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that yeah. story. Love that. Well, live in your passion. Live in your passion. And I got to share a story that he told me last night for you, Bob. And that was mm. when we were doing Hollywood Museum Squares. We shared it with some folks that 
are younger than us that don't necessarily remember the first Hollywood squares, right. believe it or not. I can't right. even believe people don't know the Hollywood squares. But anyway, generations, of course, didn't know it. And um, so we're showing them and you you did your Porky Pig on the air. And one of the, one of the guys said, well, he's, he's pretty, that sounded pretty good. You know, that sounded, <laughs> oh, that sounded pretty good. And we were like, uh, yeah, it should because he's actually Porky Pig. Well, I, hope, I hope that guy like, goes into the casting. <laughs> exactly. Oh exactly God. or at least development by the way glenn i wanted to tell you i did the last episode of one day at a time it uh, was what it was a it was a pilot for schneider yes and i did it with a high school i, no, I didn't do it with him but uh, i went to high school with robbie wrist you got to know who robbie wrist is yes, okay Rob, we're okay. still friends exactly yeah. so so it was at universal well of course you knew that and they parked us across barham and made us take a bus over to 43, 44, whatever the stage was. Okay, and, yeah. And I'm sitting across from Robbie, and I hadn't seen Robbie in, I guess, about a year or two, or maybe a little bit longer, and we both looked a little bit different. And he looks at me, and he goes, Bob? I said, Robbie? He goes, I said, what are you doing? He goes, one day at a time. I said, oh, me too. And and Corey Feldman was also on it. What? And Yeah, and it was, okay. So I knew Pat from voiceover, because Pat was... Inspector Clouseau in the Pink Panther cartoons. He was the Blastic Pickle. Blastic. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. Yes, yeah. Blastic yeah. Pickle. So, so I yeah. knew him from voiceover, and I knew his son Michael. I knew him from voiceover. But so I I came up to Pat and I said, "Listen, I'm, I'm delighted to be here. This is so exciting." And he goes, "Don't get too excited. It's really not that good." I went, <laughs> "Oh, okay, but I'm still excited to be here." And and on the other side of the stage was Anne Romano's um living room her 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 apartment so yeah. they actually used one side for his new set and, one, and the other side was hers and i just walked on that other side of the set and just i just laid down on her couch i just thought this is cool i'm laying down on anna romano's couch this is just so bitching wow well it, it could wow. either be considered cool or creepy i'll take can i tell you what creepy can i tell you what creepy <laughs> so when i what what when i was house hunting for this particular house oh god um i was in studio city and my realtor shows me this house and I said, it's a cute house, but whoever owns this house is a real big Bonnie Franklin fan. Cause Jesus, look at all the pick bulls Bonnie's house. That's crazy. Wow. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. And I didn't know it. And they couldn't, they couldn't tell me at the time. Cause it's, a, it's like, you're not supposed to tell that sort. Well, I'm like, right, well right. Th and then when I found out, I'm like, well, then why didn't she take the pictures down? If, they, if she didn't want anyone to know, I, yeah, just thought it was know. A, I just thought it was a creepy fan. Wait, so wait, this was, tell me, you were going to buy the house? I, no, I was just house hunting. I didn't house buy hunting. I was just house hunting. My realtor showed me that house right. somewhere in Studio City. And I'm in Woodland Hills, so I didn't I didn't stick around there. But So what, I, what year, do you know what year that was roughly? In the late 90s. Oh, in the late 90s. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Because she, like the house that she had from the days of one day at a time, she actually kept till the day she died. Oh, is that right? So wow. yeah, so so that might have been a different house or a second, or maybe she was gonna sell it and then wound up not doing it. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, yeah, interesting because they wow. did sell it, of course, when when we lost her in twenty twelve. Right. So yeah, or twenty thirteen. Right. Wow. Yeah, hey. uh, that's crazy. I know, that right? Is, that is crazy. It's wild the tie in there that you were in the last episode. I was like, what, Bob? Come on. Well, okay, surprised. so that was also that was also during my tour that tour guide days at Universal. And I, I mean, Embassy was very good to me when I did on camera back in the old days. I did Facts of Life. I did Silver Spoons. I did One Day at a Time. Um, and it was just, it was this, you know, I played Ding Dong Ditch to John Houseman's dressing room. You know what Ding Dong Ditch is? <laughs> oh, I know it. I know it. Yeah. It's when, no, it's when, it's when you, you knock on the door and run. You run. And he comes out yeah. in his in his little brown suit, and he looks around, <laughs> and he closes the door, and and we did it again, and he looks outside, and and we did it a third time, and the, the third time, who's fucking with my dressing room? Oh my God, John! And I just thought I could I could die happy now that I heard John Houseman swear. Oh, that's really funny. That's really that funny. is that is so cool. I love it. I love that kind of stuff. Hey, Glenn, on a, taking a whole nother uh, turn here, there was a small thing that I saw that I was like, 
what like how many how many people incredible people can you work with you know i mean you are such a blessed guy i can't believe it i saw you did a pilot with ethel merman oh, yeah. ethel I, merman what how did that right. one get pulled out what that's right i'm that surprised was actually... ethel merman did a pilot i am too i didn't even know i'm like right what? cbs and they didn't pick it up it was so crazy um oh. it was ethel merman and austin pendleton and um, Chris Barnes was the young boy. I played his friend. Wow. And um, yeah, it was really, I thought a really good show. Um, we shot that in New York at the old CBS studios in New York City. Um, and it was really incredible. She actually treated me to my first Broadway show ever because she said we were sitting around doing the scene and she said, so kid, did you ever see a Broadway show? And I was like, wow. uh, and that's not a great at the moment person. Yeah, that's pretty good. No, I'm going to give it a seven, but I don't really want to be specific. Go ahead. Wow, John gave me a seven. <laughs> I'm in, I, would, I'm I, thought, of... I thought I thought it was uh, between eight and nine myself. <laughs> wow. And I'm oh a boys my God. guy. And you're a boys guy. I'm that's very, right. very, I'm honored. I'm very oh, honored. Oh, God. So, 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 okay, you ever see a Broadway show? And I was like, no, I haven't, Miss Merman. And so she said, where's your mother? And I said, up there. She goes, tonight, he's seeing a Broadway show. It's on me, whatever you want. So wow. we wound up seeing Shenandoah um, yeah. with John Hurd. And it was amazing. And um, that was my first introduction to Broadway. It was before I even got on Broadway. Wow. So I got to see my first Broadway show, thanks to Ethel Merman, which was just amazing. And walking was, in the theater with her, was it like the world going, oh my God? Yeah. Well, she did. she just paid for it she didn't she didn't go with us. oh she didn't go with you oh no. i thought she took you okay oh, no okay. no right. she was she made it happen she made it gotcha. happen she she gotcha. said whatever show you want i'm i'll i'll get you in so She's she like did and yeah yeah i mean my gosh and was so wonderful and then i flew back i was flying back to do one day at a time one time and we were in first class and american airlines we were flying to la and who's on the plane but ethel merman wow um who i used to like to call the merm and so Merm was on the plane and uh, she was doing a, an album called Ethel's or Merman Sings the Disco. Dis the disco album? Oh, God. Yes. Oh, my God. I know oh, about God. that. I think I actually <laughs> own that album. Yes. In fact, it wasn't way before I got on One Day at a Time. I was doing one of the pilots that I did because I did a few pilots mm -hmm. before One Day at a Time where I met Valerie. That was one of them. So it was during that, during that era. And she was doing that and she gave me, she wound up sending me one of the albums that Merman Sings Disco. Oh, and wow. so it was really great to reconnect with her after, after that time. But yeah, no, I mean, I worked with some incredible people. I, I always so grateful for that. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the things that I'll be honest with you, like I left acting at 19 once Jennifer slept here, went off the air. I also did an episode of a show called Amazing Stories which that episode was directed by Martin Scorsese. Yeah, I, and, uh, yeah, yeah which I mean, was- Come on, Glenn, seriously. And so you decided to give up back it. Yeah, you know, Martin, Al Pacino, I'm gonna walk Apple away Herman. right now. Ah, I've done it well, all, there's nothing else to do. God. No, it wasn't that I had nothing else to do. The truth was I knew I was gay and I didn't want to play the, the, the roles that you had to play inauthentically. And I really, I mean, I look at my life now, and in retrospect, I, I chose love over, over career, you know? I don't have regrets for it. Um, I was able to, I, I saved my life in a lot of ways because, and show, show business saved my life, I'll get into that, but I met this wonderful man named Gary, um, mm -hmm. who was a theatrical manager, and uh, I moved to New York. In fact, Marty made a phone call for me at NYU while I was on the set of the show. I was explaining that I was getting a little disillusioned with acting and he goes you should just go to college you should go to nyu film school you should learn film that's what you wow. need to do i'm like okay i'm like it's a little late in the season he goes no i'll make a phone call so he made a phone call for me and i got into to nyu Come and on, i mean i had wow. done well on my sats so that part was helpful um so anyway i i i went moved to new york and then a year into our relationship i wanted to get tested for hiv aids because we were monogamous and what saved my life, we wound up getting tested. He came back positive. I came back negative. Mm -hmm. So, but what saved my life really was being in show business because I didn't live a sheltered life. Like I didn't live a life that where I didn't know gay people or I didn't know gay people that died. Like the first person I ever knew that died, it was still called the gay cancer. 
-hmm. in those days. And I had never been with a man, but I certainly knew I was going to be. So I just paid very close attention on what to do, what not to do, so on and so forth. So, you know, I, I was Gary's caretaker to the day he died. He died at 36 years old. I was only 26 at the time. He was 10 years older than I. Mm. And that, that shifted my life. It changed my life. That's when I went on a spiritual walkabout and I found Sedona, Arizona. So, I mean, that's mm. really, my life took oh, on wow. a whole different sense. Losing him so young and being the one to like feel his last heartbeat showed me what is important in life. Like and you, things... you, you, you chronicled that because I saw a clip on, on, on your Facebook page that oh, was yeah. just, buddy, it's, it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing yeah. that you, it's amazing mm-hmm. that you chronicled it. It's also amazing that you're sharing it. So mm. man, uh, and Thank I do, you. I do believe everything happens for a reason. You know, I know that's kind of woo woo, but I don't care. Um, you know, you, you, you went through the acting thing and you, and you, and you met the love of your life. And yeah. you got to go to school. I mean, my God, the, the richness that this person brought to you and, yeah. and you to him. Yes. And, and, and honestly, yeah, I thank you for watching that and for knowing about it. That was a big mm-hmm. deal to do that. It was very cathartic. Um, I, I did that many moons ago. It was like 20 mm-hmm. years ago, but I had never shared it on my social media up until the, when I shared it that day, which was his 30th anniversary of his passing. So, you know, my whole life had taken a whole nother, you know, direction which was right for me you know like i i have i i love my life like i created the perfect life for me it wasn't necessarily that i dislike acting or still i love it mm-hmm. it's just not who i am it's it's part of what i do you know so when i had the opportunity to open a tv station i host a lot of stuff i do tons of interviews i now do these morning show segments on abc stations script owned abc stations around the country the travel so I'm still, segments yeah the travel segment mm-hmm. yes cool. Tra- traveler tv is what it's called and that's my brand that i own so cool. you know it's just yeah it's wonderful so i created a different kind of life but meeting john th- at this age in, in our 50s you know was interesting because we didn't have the whole history together. But one of the big things that brought us together was he was also caretaker to his first husband. Uh, I say husband because we weren't allowed to be married back then. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and he died of cancer, not, not of AIDS. He died of cancer, but we had that together. Scotty died at 38. My Gary died at 36. So when you watch someone that young go and you're the one that is like holding their hand through it all, it changes you yeah. like it, it defined, it was like one of my defining moments was, you know, assisting Gary through his death. Like it's, it's one of the things I'm most proud of, you know, quitting smoking and Gary death and like all these things come way before debuting on Broadway or, you know, knowing Audrey Hepburn. I mean, those things are in their proper place, but it's these other meaningful things that, define the person you're talking to right now so you know johnny and i had something really deep in common because when we go through any kind of trauma any of us we see the rest of our lives through those lenses Mm -hmm. you know we see it through the lens of our trauma and that was such a big deal you know and and i got to like i like don't sweat the small stuff like that gift right there is so huge because it's like you know the biggest because mm-hmm. in this world, and even with everything that's going on in the world, like I can disconnect pretty easily. I can go without watching news. I can, it all, it's all going to be whatever it is. I know the part I could play, but yeah. I don't get all wrapped up in the drama. Do you, do you, um, you know, when you did get to Sedona then, how did, you know, how was it that you were like, you know what, I want to go back, but I want to own a TV station now. Like, that well that was actually that was crazy that was yeah. really crazy so, so i moved I, I had this relationship with sedona through the 90s where i would live in sedona then i'd live in la then i'd live in sedona then i'd live in la and i kept moving back and forth and i was just like okay the third time i moved there, i said okay universe third time's got to be a charm i got to find my place here um because i had moved here and i opened i moved back to los angeles in the 90s and i opened up uh uh like a music business, digital mastering facility. That's when we met. That's when we were friends. Yeah. Not that we're not friends now, but I mean- No, not that we're not friends forever. now, but that's right, John. That's right, that's, yeah. That was our connection, right? GKS right. Entertainment was the name of it. 
And right. um, so I did that. Um, so then after I sold that, I moved back to and Sedona say, okay, this, because I really wanted to live in Sedona. Like, you know, it's just the opportunities were, you know, different. It's a small town. 10,000 people live in Sedona still. And almost 4 million people visit every year. Just wow. God, I thought record. it was so much yeah. bigger than that. Yeah. I had no, no. idea. 10,000 homes. And it's honestly, they're, they're, most of them are second homes. So it's not even everybody's living there at the same time. So I live in a pretty small town. So that was like, okay, what am I going to do here? So finally I moved back. I had some, I had a little chunk of change in my pocket from selling the business. So I was going to buy a house, but before I bought a house, I rented just to kind of see what's out there and just plant for a little bit. And I got cable. This is 1999, I guess, 2000. And, um, and I didn't get channel 18 out of 35 channels. I got 35 whole channels. And channel 18 was a blue screen. So I just called customer service, regular maintenance, customer service. And I just said, Hey, look, I think you're going to need to maybe send someone to my house and, you know, maybe a maintenance person because I'm only getting, and they said, is that channel 18 you're not getting? I said, yes. They said, Oh, well that's available. Would you like to make an offer? And I was what? like, what exactly? Get out of here. Oh, from, come having on. With, come on. from having trouble with your cable. You, yeah, you own a station. Who, who says that? Hey, you want to buy it? Well, this is why I believe in like the when you listen to the universe and when you ask for stuff, you have to listen to when it actually comes your way. So I was like, oh, you mean like to own my own television station? So let me explain in that market at that moment, because of course it's changed over the years. But in that moment, it was the only cable provider. There were no you can't get antenna television in Sedona because of the mountains. And it was um, there was no dish. So literally this cable provider was it. So if I got channel 18, everyone's seeing it. Like it's mm -hmm. the real deal in that area. So I was like, okay. So, you know, I had put some of my own bread into the starting the station. I also got um, some investment money and so on and so forth. And I made it happen. And that wow. was 20 years ago this year. We went on. Wow. Wait, 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 wait. The customer service person says, hey, you want to buy it. By the and way, did you did you give know. did you give the customer service person at least a vice presidency? Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> that would have been nice. That would have been very Anne Bancroft of me. Right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I should have thought of that. No, I did not do that. Ah, uh, but um, but yeah. So that's kind of that's the story, and the rest is history. So I've had the station. I love it. Um, that's you know, you so were talking cool. about. You were talking about Universal Studios. I, I, um, I, I did my school on the back lot of Universal mm -hmm. for many years. I, I with Jason Bateman and Ricky Schroeder. I oh, did it with wow. um, Kim Fields and Nancy McKeon. We're <laughs> right next on the in the next classroom and so on and so forth. And I, I just heard from Kim last night. She texted me. She was going to do the Women's Expo in Phoenix. And she's like, "Hey, I think I'm in your stratosphere." I just want you to know I'm in Arizona. I'm like, I'm not in Arizona. I'm in LA right now. So oh. we miss each other on that on that one. But yeah, I've made a life there and I love it. I really love it. Sedona's very special. It really is. It's well, we we will, we will we will we're gonna make we wanna make plans to visit because it's a it's a it's a place that I've always oh. heard is magical. Yeah. And you know, uh, we discuss about getting out of Dodge, leaving LA and where do we right. go next? Because with COVID now, I do every cartoon in my home studio so I can live anywhere. So wow, something that we're talking about just to check it out. Well, it's worth it's worth checking out. I do so much of my life this way now mm -hmm. too. Right. You know, when I'm in Sedona, I do my physical like on the set on, on location segments. But then on all the morning shows, I literally sit like this I book sometimes I have sometimes I have a green screen behind me, but I, I book um, I book my time with all these different hosts and I throw to the package and like they'll be like, Glenn, where are you taking to us today? Like because I'm seeing in Phoenix, Tucson, San Diego, Las Vegas, Denver, Santa Barbara. And and I'll be sitting there with all the different hosts and do the same thing over and over again mm -hmm. and throw into the package. And that's my life. Like I can't the, the wow. pandemic offered this. Like it was this mm -hmm. was never Who I knew? couldn't do right. what I'm doing. Well said it offered it. Yeah. 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 I mean, all there's that's a the there's positive. a bright there's a bright shining um light through everything. I, Absolutely I, everything. I, I, there, the, the COVID silver linings, I mean COVID sucked. I, I can't, we can't deny that. But right. if you're if you're an actor, first of all, if you're a voice actor, 
we kept going when everybody else stopped. What you're able to now do uh, with with a with a little bit of a shift in, in right. technology and what, but the fact that we can keep doing it, it it actually opened doors that we never knew were closed to begin with. Right, I agree. Right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, I've got one one last one or so because I I know we've we've had you here this whole time, but here's the other one I saw. You well, first of all, you had the teen idol image, and and I understand all that. But then you, which I I would like to hear about that whole experience but also you released an album i was like wow, uh, did you always sing i mean honestly i'm just curious was that like a natural like oh yeah hand me a mic yeah i mean i always love singing you know i i did some musical theater i did pippin and peter pan and i did one broadway show when i was a kid um called street heat that really didn't make it but vicky lewis was the star and with, with me in that one and we it was a musical so i loved singing i always loved singing and um, two great, two incredible things came out of just being that whole teen magazine thing. One of them was the album on CBS Records. I had such an incredible experience, not only doing it, but I was on American Bandstand. I got wow. to do that with, cool. with Dick Clark, which was cool. very, very cool. We just found an old VHS. Mom sent us, sent John and I a box of VHSs. It's on there. So one of these days I will be sharing that on my social media. It's incredible. Um, so that was a special. I had my own float at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade where I sang my where I sang my my song. So wow. You know, those were just incredible experiences. And then were the those, other thing were that, those were those the days of the the skin tight satin pants and 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 the rolled up sleeves, lots of hair. Maybe. There we go. There we go. Not that I I I I was a, I was a listener of that stuff just kind of curious to see what your reaction was. <laughs> yeah i used to do it for the fans right yeah my 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 goal with my pants was always i want to wear them tight enough so they could see my religion <laughs> and then you go i i didn't know he was he's, oh he's not jewish okay great. he's not jewish <laughs> oh my god <laughs> no oh, so so wow. so that was that was incredible and then the other thing that came out of this whole teen thing was um, my dad was an Archie cartoonist for right, 47 years. Yes, that's the cool. That is so. so I mean, I, I learned that from your social media too. I never uh, knew that. Did he create the Archies? No, he didn't create it, but he learned how to draw it from the guy who created it. So he wow. was like the first, oh, one of the so first cool. rounds, one of the first rounds of, of uh, illustrators for Archie. How, and, do you have did, art? Do you have original art from his? Yes, I do. In fact, I went when I went back. Johnny and I just recently took each other home for our going back yeah, I on saw our that home, home tour. tour yeah, you guys did. the yeah, home tour. Yeah. We met our each other's families. Big deal, big deal. Yeah. And um, and we grabbed some more of my dad's artwork and we shipped him a neat. bunch of stuff. And he had so many wonderful friends that were artists that he also had their work hanging up in his office. So I got a chance, mom gave that all to me this trip and mm. I was able to ship it to myself. So it's really beautiful. But one of the things I was just about to say was because of the um, teen stuff, they invited me to be in the the cartoon. And I was the, just the comic gonna book. ask you about that. So yeah, God. so dad and I got a chance to collaborate wow. on, and they called it Glenn Scarpelli in Hollywood, but I was on the cover of Archie with the Archie gang. and that whole thing. So those two experiences, the album and the Archie era were so incredibly fulfilling and wonderful. And I look back now with, you know, I have so many great memories and memorabilia from it, you know, cool. special. What was that like just to be with your dad? You know, like it's, it's like, this is your dad's thing. And now you're, he's drawing you, you know, with yeah. Monica and Betty and the whole bit. What was and that then, like? Well, one of the other very famous artists there was uh, Dan DiCarlo, who I loved, who was a dear friend of my dad's. And when I first, the first issue of the magazine, of the comic book that I was going to be in, Dan drew me on the cover. And I was so excited. And my dad was like, wait a minute, you're all excited that Dan's drawing you? <laughs> <laughs> like, what's that all about? Like, all of a sudden, ooh, Dan DiCarlo's drawing you, really? Like, he was like that. So he was, my dad was pretty funny. My dad was pretty funny, but I was excited Dan drew me. Um, but yeah, so, you know, working with dad, collaborating. I mean, I remember as a kid, before I was in show business, I sat on his lap and watched him draw. And I would, I, he would put like paper over it so I could, 
you know, kind of draw over his stuff just to learn how to draw. I didn't really have that gene. I wasn't born with a great drawing gene. I'm okay, but nothing like him. He's a genius. And, um, but I had a dad when I was begging to be an actor. Let me tell you, I did not have a dad that said, go get a real job. Okay. Yeah. I had someone that was creative, lived in his creativity, followed his passion, just like Johnny did. You're mentioning, mm-hmm. you know, as a kid wanting to do, he always wanted to draw. My dad always wanted to be a cartoonist mm-hmm. and then actually became one. So, you know, and a successful one. Right. So I, I had him as a role model and he was so supportive of me being an actor. Like he loved the fact that I had a creative, I wanted to live a creative life. And he used to take me to movies, probably movies I shouldn't have seen even that young, but he used to teach me how, well, it's all fake, but if you could think it, you could make it. He used Love to it. If you could think Love it, you it. could make it. That's so familiar. that was his, and thoughts do become things just mm-hmm. even in our own world, you know, thoughts become things. So I think he was teach. he was a great teacher. Of well, that he, he, wow. he lived his life with passion and he, and he, and he passed right. that, that love of passion and excitement onto you, which, you right. know, I think, you know, no matter what a, a kid wants to do, you know, a parent, right. a parent has to support that passion and that excitement for whatever that it is. And bless yeah. your heart for having that, my friend. That's so uh, cool, Glenn. Glenn, thanks a lot for being on. I, I mean, honestly, I know Bob probably feels the same way. We could talk to you for another hour. I mean, it's just, it's just so fun, and there's so many things to talk to you about. But um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to take up any more of your time. But thank you so much for sharing your time with us and in your heart. Just really appreciate it. Appreciate uh, it. So thank, thank you guys. You guys, do thanks, such buddy. A great, you guys do such a great job on the show, and I was so thrilled that you invited me, and I, I appreciate you both so much. I had so much fun. Cool. All right. Appreciate you. Bye-bye. Thanks for coming. And uh, please check us out also on youtube.com slash that's classic TV, where you can actually watch and see the celebrities that are on the show. Thanks again. Bye-bye.